carried his business card around for months because honestly, I didn't know what to do with it. All I knew is that this doctor was destroying the lives of everyone I loved. I was 19 years old when I found out that a pain management doctor was illegally prescribing medication in exchange for services. Not like sex or anything, but odd end jobs and stuff. I knew that his office would call these people in for pill counts. For those of you that don't know anything about this, it's when a a patient has to come in and do a P-test and make sure the right amount of the drug and only that drug prescribed is in their system. Their pills would be counted and cross-referenced and to make sure the pills match the number that you should have left based on your dosage. This sounds like a very effective system for the patients that weren't given a heads up on when their pill count would be. When that day would come, it would be a scramble to move pills around and make sure your count was spot on. Otherwise, you could be kicked out of that doctor's office and red flagged around the city to the other doctors. Greed has made so many doctors overprescribe pain medication, ruining the lives of so many people just to make a buck. When does the road to addiction start? I feel like I'll never know for sure with these specific people I'm talking about. One of them told me that it started when she was a bartender, the fresh age of 21, taking a Vicodin to have energy all night. As for him, he puts blame on someone else in his life that used to give him oxy. Some people have legitimate pain. The doctors keep prescribing and their tolerance goes up. And before you know it, you're addicted. And after everything is gone, you turn to the cheaper options. I do not think that addicts are bad people. I think that they do bad things and they try not to feel all of the pain that they've caused themselves and the people that they love. Loving an addict is like a roller coaster. One day they are low, absent, and out of touch. They hide because they're sick and empty. I remember when I was in Ohio while I was pregnant. I spoke with my dad on a Sunday morning and we made plans to get breakfast the next day. I attempted to contact him every day until I left to go back to Vegas and didn't hear from him for two more months after that. The message that he left said he was sorry that he was sick. For anyone who knows an addict, drug sick is by far the worst thing for these people. A lot of them say they wish they could stop using, but the withdrawal is so terrible that they can't. Most say that they use to feel even and that they don't even get high anymore. I never fully understood it. I still don't. Um, I heard the Macklemore song Drug Dealer and watched the video and I called one of the addicts that I love sobbing and apologizing because all I could think of was her going through that. On the days that the addict is not low, they call and they sound like themselves again. An active addict is like the shell of a human you care about, but they can no longer feel anything. Also, I didn't speak to my dad again until well after my twins were born, almost a full year from that message. And since then, he is well, and we have a strong relationship. I'll speak about my dad a lot, because a lot of the things that he's done or hasn't done has really helped mold me into the person that I am today. For anyone who knows my dad or has heard the crazy stories, he is by far the funniest and most inappropriate human being I know. I love the man dearly, and I have forgiven him, and I have accepted him for who he was 
and who he is. And I just want to be clear that I'm not here to bash him or run with a poor me and my daddy story. Okay. But over the years, my outlook on addiction has shifted. When I was young, I thought addicts were selfish people who made a conscious decision to use and they were choosing not to stop. I've lost so many people in my life to addiction. Some are still living and some are not. Relationships are destroyed by addiction. The only thing an addict thinks about is how and when they will get high again. They will take, they will lie, and they will lose everything. At one point, I thought by helping them, even when I knew they were lying, I was doing the right thing. I thought if I send them $20, at least I know they're not going to steal it somewhere. Maybe they'll be a little safer. What I eventually realized is that I didn't want to give anyone the $20 they shoot into their arm that kills them. I tried shame a few times, but my dad even told me, you can't shame an addict. They have none left. I posted something on Facebook a while back that said, enabling is the worst thing you can do for an addict. You need to let them hit rock bottom. And I cried when the mother of a friend of mine who lost his battle with addiction, she said to me, yeah, I tried that. It didn't work. The worst thing you can do, I think, is hide your loved one's addiction. You can't be ashamed of them because if no one knows about it, they can't help. And they're fighting a battle that none of us understand. I wish there was a magical combination of things that we could do to help our addicts. There's too many, you can't help them if they don't want help, and they just need to quit cold turkey talks, but only they know what they really need. I've lost a few people in my life to accidental overdose. One had an addiction problem that his parents knew about. The other didn't have an addiction at all. It just, he got dealt a bad batch. But losing a loved one to an overdose changes a person. Each individual will blame themselves forever and nothing can change that. The I should have will last a lifetime. I'll never forget those phone calls when we lost a few too soon. The sound of that person's trembling voice on the other end will haunt me for the rest of my life. I never want to get those early morning phone calls again. And I've been so mad and so frustrated with the people I love for the path their lives have taken. When I see so many children involved that just want to know why, and I can't answer that question for them because I too used to ask why. Why is my dad choosing this over me? Why doesn't he see what he's doing to me? I remember a few years ago, my dad came to visit me in Vegas. Um, I had an appointment and him and my husband went to go have a drink or get some food. And I was just going to meet up with them after. It was kind of weird for me because my dad didn't drink anymore, but he was having a glass of whiskey. I figured, you know what? Screw it. I'm an adult now. I can handle this. This is fine. But... When I took a shot with him, I just felt so wrong and it immediately brought back these horrible childhood feelings. And when we headed home, I had this liquid courage and I asked him, dad, how come you were never around when I was younger? And he said, well, I thought you didn't need me. And that's how an addict thinks. They think that maybe everyone is better off without them. To my addicts out there, no one is better off without you. They just want you back and it's easy to get angry at the addicts 
They hurt a lot of people. And to us, it looks like they don't care. But really, they're so numb or so high that they're not even capable of caring. It's like when you touch a hot stove and you instantly feel the pain, so you pull your hand away. They're missing that signal to the brain that tells them to pull their hand away. And I think what we need more of than ever is to start preventing our youth from taking this path because addiction starts when we're young and impressionable and we lose ourselves and gain this trauma. Mental health starts with the home life and in school and when we're bullied and outcasted. Drug use can start recreationally and just get out of hand, or it could start with a car accident that you never really heal from and constantly take medication for the pain. But when we isolate and medicate, we become that empty shell. Where I'm from, everyone knows someone who has a heroin addiction. I know a woman who was arrested because while her kid played on the playground, her and her boyfriend overdosed in a car. I know people who have pawned the most treasured possessions of their family members in exchange for money to get high. I know someone who lied to their sister and said they needed money to pay off a debt or else the dealer was going to kill his kids just for money to get high. I know a child who at the age of five had to call 911 because her dad used and was unconscious at a red light with her in the car. Being an addict does not make you a bad person, but it makes you do bad things, things that you would never in a million years see yourself doing. One thing I learned in all of my years of lending people money, even when they show you proof that they need money to pay their water bill or it's going to get shut off or whatever, that just means the other money that's coming in is to get them high. And I spent years thinking I was helping, but in the end, I was only enabling we all want to bring our addicts back to life, no matter what it takes. I have a person in my life that I was never really close with growing up. Him and I finally built a very strong relationship one of his last times in jail. For over a year, we wrote letters until he got out. And I knew in my heart that this time was going to be different for him because he had me. He had someone to hold him accountable and check on him and not attack him or question him incessantly. I was going to be his rock. Then when the phone calls got more spread out and he quit calling me back, I knew that he'd slipped back into old habits. And you can't help but to get angry, especially when an addict spends so much time getting clean and being clean and it just takes one time to throw their sobriety away. It can't be easy to stay sober when you get out of jail or you get out of rehab and all of your problems are still there waiting for you. Or you have all these people that just want to drag you back down to their level because we all know misery loves company. And an addict is not going to want to face their supporters when they relapse. They don't want to admit failure, so they hide. They don't answer their phone, instead send you a text, maybe. And you want them to succeed so bad, so you yourself are in denial that they could have relapsed. You think, okay, I'm just going to Send them 50 bucks so they can get a new ID for work or I'm going to let them log into my Uber account and use it so they have a ride to work and can get on their feet. Next thing you know, you have $1,000 worth of charges on your card from Uber rides to and from the dealer's house. And it's such a betrayal when they take you for a fool. And you, the supporter, the lover of the addict, you feel like you failed too. That your love and your support wasn't enough to keep them clean. 
that you believed in them when no one else did. And it hurts. It really fucking hurts. And it sucks when they apologize because, of course, you can't believe them. Their sorries are empty now. I'm not here to make you feel like shit if you are or were an addict, but I am speaking from someone who has seen firsthand what addiction does to a family. And if you are one of my addicts who may or may not listen to this, I love you no matter what. And I want you to win each daily fight you face. And I promise all of the people you think don't need you, they do. Your kids need you and they want the real you back in their lives. If you are a lover of an addict, keep fighting the fight with them and don't give up on them. And if you have lost an addict, my heart is with you and you can't beat yourself up every day because it wasn't your fault. You can only do so much to help someone in this battle. But if you or someone you know is fighting addiction, the first step is to talk about it with someone. I swear it'll make it easier. You can hear me when it's over, what's up? You can hear me when it's over, what's up?